Welcome to episode 61 of the Marketing Junkie podcast, Get Your Audience to Consume Your Content. I'm your host, Michelle Caruana, and I just wanted to thank you so much for being here today. Now, you might be thinking based on the title, well, do I really care if people consume the stuff I put out there? Sometimes we as business owners get into such a flow that we find ourselves creating just for the sake of creating or to check an item off our to-do list, and we forget the real purpose behind this creation process. However, if we can just get back to the basics and remember the why behind our content creation strategy, we can actually save ourselves a lot of time and effort, and that's the reason I'm creating this episode for you today. After all, if we are just cranking out blogs and videos and podcasts and social media posts, yet no one is listening or watching, is it really moving our business forward or are we just doing what we think we should be doing? Yes, keywords and SEO are important and can help get new eyes on your business, but if people aren't really engaging with your posts or your content, Google won't begin to rank your stuff and other competitors will start rising above you. If you need a refresh on why content marketing is so important for a long-term sustainable business, after this episode, please go back and listen to episode 57. I will make it nice and easy and link it for you in the show notes. But basically, if we want our content to actually work for us and bring new potential clients into our world, warm them up, and get them used to our style and expertise and way of doing business, and eventually convert these potential clients into actual paying customers, We need to create things that people actually want, and we have to make it as easy as possible for them to consume it, right? So today in this episode, I am going to give you four super simple tips on how to increase the consumption of your content so you can create less and get better results overall. After all, the whole goal of this podcast is to create simple and streamlined marketing processes. But before I get into the good stuff, just one little reminder. I absolutely love putting this podcast out there every week, and I love seeing the download numbers climb. Knowing that I am helping small business owners just like yourself simplify their marketing and create bigger, more meaningful impact in their industries. But let's be honest, it's a lot of work. So if you enjoy the show, the best way to show your appreciation actually does not cost you a single penny. Just take a screenshot of you listening and share it to your Instagram story, and you can feel free to tag me. My Instagram handle is in the show notes, or simply leave a rating and review. I know I say this all the time in every episode, but I read everyone, and it helps me so much, and it helps other small business owners just like you find the podcast. It would truly make my day today if you paused for just one quick second and left a rating and review while the intro plays. That's the only amount of time it will take. All right, that's enough of that. Thank you to all of those who took a quick minute to review. I can already tell this is going to be one of my favorite podcast episodes, and it's going to be one that I'm going to link to all the time. So let's get started. You're listening to the Marketing Junkie Podcast with me, your host, Michelle Caruana. I'm a corporate marketing nine-to-fiver turned brick-and-mortar business owner turned online entrepreneur, and growing businesses through smart and efficient marketing is kind of my thing. If you're like most business owners, you probably feel like you could overdose on all the different tactics out there, so I created this podcast to help you cut through the noise and the clutter and just get the clear, 
actionable strategies based on what's working and what's not for both myself and my marketing clients. Tune in every week to learn exactly how to attract an audience and convert them into customers and raving fans. No fluff included. So the whole purpose of creating content, if you remember from episode 57, is to provide value to your ideal clients and move them along your customer journey, hopefully leading them to one day purchase one of your offers or services, right? Well, as I said in the episode intro, in order for this to happen, we need to get people to actually consume the stuff we put out there. So without further ado, here are four simple tips to make this happen. So you can spend less time creating and more time doing what you actually love in your business. All right, tip number one, create with intention. Now, this is something I've brought up a lot on this podcast, but it is it is always worth checking in with ourselves and making sure we are actually doing this because trust me, I know it's easy to skip this. So what do I mean by being intentional in your content creation process? Well, we should never create, again, just for the sake of creating, and it doesn't do us any good to create what we think our ideal clients want. We as business owners are so close to our businesses that we can actually be really blind to what our people actually need and want from us, and that is okay. Why? Well, there are plenty of tricks and tools to help us with uh, creating with intention. So the first one is keyword research. Now, I use the tool Keywords Everywhere to research what people are searching for on the internet so I can create blogs and YouTube videos and podcasts that actually have a chance of getting found and driving traffic to my website where all of my opt-ins and paid offers live. It helps me determine not only what people are searching for, but also what the search volume is so I know how worthwhile each topic is and also how competitive that keyword or keyword string is. And before we get into this, again, I use keywords everywhere for both my podcast content and my blog content. For YouTube, I choose to use something else, but we will get there in just a minute. Just make a quick mental note that I do not use keywords everywhere for YouTube, even though that is a possibility. Now for Play Cafe Academy, this is pretty easy, I'm not going to lie, because not a lot of people are creating content around how to open an indoor playground and how to operate one profitably. There are, however, a lot of businesses targeting my main keywords with Google ads, mainly, honestly, generic business advisors and not indoor play-specific coaches or educators. So I just continually create content that's getting searched for to ensure that I remain competitive with the paid players. But I don't really have to pay too much attention to the organic competition because there's not a lot of competition out there, quite frankly. And you will likely find the same if you're also in a very niche business. Now, for my marketing and Facebook ads business, this is a lot more complicated because it's a super saturated market and there is a ton of competition. So if you're a local business that faces a lot of competition or you're in a saturated market like like I am, listen up because this is what you have to pay attention to. You have to really pay attention to both search volume and competition to be way more strategic in order to get found or have any chance of ranking on page one or page two. Now, what I did in the beginning, and honestly, what I'm still kind of doing since I ended up rebranding and refocusing, is finding the topics or keywords that have a lot of search volume, but not a lot of competition. 
Now, this can be tricky and you have to really stay on top of your research to catch these sort of trending topics before there is a lot of content created around them. It's kind of like finding a unicorn or a needle in a haystack. So if you can't find any, then try to find like medium search volume keywords, not crazy search volume that also don't have a lot of competition until you can find something that is really trending that you can get right on the surge of that trend. A great example that happened recently is the Apple update. I was one of the first people on YouTube, even though I had a brand new channel, to start creating content around the Apple update and what us as business owners needed to do in order to mitigate or minimize the impact on our business after this Apple update took place. And because of that, that is still by far my best performing video because, again, I found this trending keyword, this trending topic. There was a lot of searches, and it was actually not a ton of searches quite yet by the time I put content out there, but I could tell that it was definitely rising. It was something that was being talked about a lot in the industry, but hadn't really made its way to the mainstream business conversation yet. But I knew that it was going to And I knew based on my research that it was going to be a big deal. And again, that is my number one performing YouTube video, even though, you know, it was a brand new channel, I really made sure to take advantage of that trending topic. And it really worked out well for me. I put a little opt-in at the end of that video, and I really built my email list up from scratch with that video alone. This strategy will help you build authority with Google or YouTube and start to rank your channel or your blog for these keywords so that when you do choose to tackle topics that have more competition, you'll be a lot more likely to rank without having to pay for Google ads or anything like that. Again, because you've built up your authority on the platform and you've ranked for those smaller scale topics and keywords. Now for YouTube, again, as I mentioned, you can use keywords everywhere, but I prefer to use a a tool called TubeBuddy, T-U-B-E-B-U-D-D-Y. It's only like $9 a month for a pro account because it's YouTube specific and I really focus on the growth of my YouTube channel and it does, it not only takes into account search volume and competition with their keyword explorer, but you can also take advantage of their SEO or search engine optimization studio And optimize not only for your keywords that you're targeting, but also your tags, your description, your thumbnail, everything that will make you successful on YouTube. It basically gives you an SEO score and it allows you to analyze the scores of your competitors so that you can make sure you stand out. So again, creating with this intention will really help you stop wasting your time just kind of throwing spaghetti at the wall, just coming up with random topics at your own whim, hoping people consume your content because you are ensuring it's what people are already asking for and actively searching for. Now, another option that I've also tried, I haven't had as good of results from this, but you can also survey your audience. So once a week or once a month, do a poll on Facebook, do a poll on your Instagram stories, or do a questions post. Ask people what they want to hear. Ask people what questions they have. Ask your email list. Do a little Google form. Ask them what they why they aren't purchasing your products or services. Ask them what questions they have, again, what they're wondering about, and that can also help you drive your content creation process if you're feeling stuck. But again, that's a little bit more, uh, less of a proven strategy. You know, some people, even though they're wondering these things, it might not be actually what Google's looking for, what other people are searching for. So use that if you're kind of stuck and feeling that writer's block or, you know, not feeling very creative. But 
I really like to use the science in the keyword research method, but I just wanted to mention that as another option. And even if you don't use that as the number one driver of your content creation process, your surveying, it can at least make you look like you're trying to give people what they want. And it can be very engaging with your audience. So there are other benefits to utilizing that survey strategy. All right. My second tip to getting people to consume more of your content is create in multiple mediums or multiple formats. So I've talked about repurposing content on different platforms on this podcast before, but let's get specific here and talk about why it will help you get even more attraction out of the same content. And let's just remember that everyone likes to learn differently. Everyone chooses to consume content differently. I know for me, I really like to consume audio content on podcasts, but sometimes I just want to watch a YouTube video. Sometimes I just want to read a blog, like if my kids are napping or if I'm nursing or something like that, and I can't actually listen to something, I want to be able to read it. So I really, really appreciate when content creators put things out there in different mediums so I can choose whatever is going to work for me in that moment. So previously, I was just really flippant about this. And I would actually change up the content on my podcast and my blog and my YouTube channel because I thought, well, surely people will get bored of seeing the exact same content repurposed everywhere, right? But when I actually dug in and researched and asked my audience, I found that though a few were, most people were kind of choosing one platform of mine to consume my content on and sticking with it. So they were either diehard podcast listeners or YouTube subscribers, or they read my blog, but Very rarely did somebody consume content on all three platforms, even when there was different content on each. So once I started doing more repurposing on my different channels, I was so sure at first that I would get complaints or my views or downloads would fall off. But the opposite actually happened. Because I was now creating less brand new pieces of content, I was able to produce more quality work overall. And that increase in quality actually drew more people in and increased my subscribers, my view time, my growth rate, all of that. A lot of us assume that our audience watches every step we take, every move we make. I know that's like a terrible boy band reference. I just finished re-watching the Britney Spears documentary, so my apologies there. But Anyways, I promise you, outside of maybe those small handful of super fans, we as content creators or business owners are just not as important or significant in our audience's lives as we think we are or maybe hope we are. And that can seem harsh, but it's actually a huge benefit to us because instead of now creating brand new content for every single one of my four channels every single week... I cut that pretty much in half, and that's because I have two different businesses with two different goals, so I can't exactly repurpose things on my two YouTube channels because they have two totally different ideal customers, but even reducing that workload by 50% has really improved the quality of my content, and it's allowed me to do more important things in my business, like serving my paid clients and my customers at a higher level and getting them better results inside of my programs. And when my clients and students find success, it leads to that magical cycle of more clients and more students. So I am so happy to rededicate some of my time and focus there instead of just creating, creating, creating all the time. 
So give yourself a little grace and a break and stop creating brand new content for every single platform all the time. You will have more sustainable success and a lot less burnout if you choose one key authority platform to focus on. Mine is YouTube for Play Cafe Academy and this podcast for Marketing Junkie. And then repurpose to all of your other platforms. Trust me, your sanity and your bottom line will thank you. And another quick tip here, if you don't have the bandwidth to repurpose your audio or video into written content from scratch, use a tool to help. I personally use Searchy, and I'm going to link to it in the show notes, and it produces a really high quality transcript of all of my audio and video content that makes repurposing into blogs and stuff like that a breeze. This is something that I'm planning to outsource soon, but for now it works really, really well. And when the time does come for me to hire a VA, it is going to be so much easier for them and it's going to cost me a lot much in their hourly rate to repurpose based on the transcript instead of just my bullet point script. And if this is still too time consuming for you, I understand, don't worry. Searchy actually allows you to embed a plugin on your website that makes your video and audio content searchable. This was a complete game changer for me. Now, I will be honest, you won't get the same benefits of written search search engine optimized content when it comes to Google, but it will help people search for and consume your content a lot easier. I currently only use Searchy for my paid students, for example, to search through things like advanced trainings and coaching calls, which are pretty unstructured. So the searchability function really, really helps. And I have to tell you, the percentage of people who consume and get value from these coaching calls has absolutely skyrocketed. Searchy gives you really intense analytics and lets you know exactly how many people are watching your content, what they're searching for, all that good stuff, which again, allows me to provide my students with more value and get them better results, which is my number one priority. And especially when it comes to Playmaker Society, if you were to join that right now, there are nearly two years of coaching calls, which equates to about 30 or 40 hours of unstructured video content. So basically, I'm just hopping on Zoom and answering random questions. So just imagine you join this membership. One of the biggest highlights is this huge archive of coaching calls, but you don't really want to sit down and listen to 40 hours of them. This would be super daunting to you. So Searchy allows these new members to search through all of those dozens of hours of coaching calls and find only what they need for in that moment. It actually brings them to the exact minute and second marker in the video and allows them to just play that little uh, snippet, making it much less overwhelming for them. And honestly, I think it's really impacted my new member retention rate because they now find this giant archive of content as more of a goldmine of value and less of a chore to kind of sift and sort through for those little nuggets that they needed. Now, again, if you want to try Searchy out for your business, I can not recommend it enough. I do have a free trial link that I will share in the show notes. So no matter where you are in your business, I promise you this can absolutely help you. All right, my third tip to getting people to consume more of your content is to follow the 2080 rule. Now, this rule is something that I learned way back when from Jenna Kutcher and the Gold Digger podcast. So, giving her a little shout out, but I only very recently actually started putting this into practice. And 
I'm a little ashamed to say that. I thought about leaving it out, but hey, I am not here to pretend that I am perfect because none of us are, and I never will be. My goal with this podcast has always been to show that a successful business is never finished. There's always room for progress, and this kind of thing is always a learning process. So anyways, what is this 2080 rule? And just a side note, if you've been listening to my podcast for a while, this is a different rule than what I mentioned when I talk about value versus sales in emailing and posting. This is totally different. So this rule basically says that by spending 20% of your time creating new content and 80% of your time promoting that content, you will actually get better results and impact more people than if you were actually to do it in reverse and spend 80 of your time creating, 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 and only 20% of your time actually actively promoting it. And I feel like a lot of us are super guilty of this, especially if anyone listening also happens to be a type three on the Enneagram or is an achiever. A lot of times we can feel like our value is directly tied to our productivity and for business owners and for a lot of us, that means producing brand new content all the time. And this 2080 rule doesn't just apply to free content, it applies to paid content and offers as well. So if you are constantly on the hamster wheel of creating, 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 but Then once you hit publish or you launch something, you just kind of post and ghost your content, meaning you share it once and then move on to creating the next thing. You're doing yourself and your customers a real disservice. So do not post and ghost. Here are some quick tips that will help you spend more time promoting and less time creating so that you can fall more in line with that 2080 rule and start to gain more attraction with what you are creating. So number one, share on multiple platforms. This might seem a no-brainer, but again, it's really easy to just throw a link up on your Facebook or your Instagram and forget about all the other places you can share it. And I don't mean just share a link to your podcast or share a link to your blog or something like that. You can, of course, yes, share the link, but you can also create clips and you can create multiple clips. So when I do coaching calls, when I do interviews, I can probably create 20 or 30 clips if I wanted to of different nuggets of different quotes. And I can use that as social media content for months and years to come and just continue driving brand new traffic and brand new eyes back to that one single piece of content without ever creating something brand new or original. I'm just taking one YouTube video or one podcast interview and slicing it and dicing it into both video clips or just simple graphics with an audio overlay or quote graphics. You can create all of these things using different tools, both paid and free, to help really spin a piece of content into so many different pieces of social content that is shareable. And you can do this on Facebook. You can also do this on Instagram. And I always recommend creating a specific post or graphic or something like that that is specifically formatted for Instagram stories. So hop into Canva and create something that is the right height to width ratio so that it doesn't look like you're just throwing something up there without an intention. And another thing that you can do is go live and talk about it. So something that I'm going to be doing starting very, very shortly, I'm going to be walking the walk that I'm talking about in this podcast, is go live on your Facebook. Give people a little rundown of what this podcast episode is, what this YouTube video is, and why people should care about it, and 
why people should click over to it from your live. This will help you be very friendly with the Instagram and Facebook algorithms. It will up your ad account account quality. So it will help tell Facebook that your page is active and engaging, and it will actually help your ads and all of your posts perform better. So not only are you you know, creating less and promoting more to fall into that 2080 rule, but you're actually having so many positive effects in your business. So go live and talk about your content when you publish it. And then next you can email it out. So I already do this every single time I put something out there, I email it out to all of my different lists. And I also resend those emails to people that didn't open it yet. So I'll wait generally 24 to 48 hours, and then I'll resend it just in case anyone that might be interested miss it. So always, always email out your content. And then next, you can add your best stuff to a nurture sequence or a welcome sequence. So one of the things that I do in my six-month welcome sequence for new subscribers is I link to my YouTube videos. I say, hey, you want to take a quick tour of my indoor playground? Do you want to learn the basic setup of Facebook Business Manager? I take my best performing, my most quality content, and I link it in that nurture sequence so that anytime someone is brand new to my business, they can kind of start from the beginning. And that increases my YouTube subscribers, my podcast downloads, and it really helps my new subscribers or new people to my business understand what I'm about and start learning from me right at the beginning. And it helps me put my best foot forward. And then next, you can use a scheduling tool like Sprout Social or Buffer or Later or something like that to share that content on those same platforms like every other week, once a month, whatever. You can see on my Facebook and Instagram, I'm constantly sharing the same YouTube videos, the same blogs, the same podcast episodes because most of them are evergreen, right? I create things that people are searching for. And a lot of times we we feel like we're being repetitive, but again, not our, our audience is not watching our every move, I promise you, and there is no harm in sharing a blog that you shared a year ago or a couple weeks ago. I promise you it will get new eyes on it, and it doesn't cost anything to just simply repost it. All right, and then next, you can go through old content and add backlinks to this new content. So for example, I created a blog like way back in 2016 about, or excuse me, 2018, about funding your indoor playground business, but I'm continually creating new content around this topic. But because that uh, 2008 blog, it has so much authority and it's so well ranking, that is always going to be one of my best performing pieces of content. So sometimes I'll go in and I'll actually link my newer blog articles and my newer podcast episodes and YouTube videos to that really high ranking blog so that anyone who finds it can see that old really high quality content, but they can also see my new stuff. And then next, you can add your YouTube videos or podcast episodes to your show notes, your video descriptions on YouTube, your email signatures. You can add it everywhere. So like, for example, if you go to my Play Cafe Academy YouTube channel, I have a whole list of my best videos of my playlist so that when someone's done watching a video, they can kind of scroll and see, okay, you know, yes, of course they could click over to my channel, but They can actually just scroll down and see what other videos I have out there while they're watching the video. And that really, really helps. I use bit.ly links for that. So I can actually track how many link clicks come directly from my YouTube video descriptions. And I got to tell you, it has really moved the needle in my business. And then finally, you can ask others to share it. 
So if you have an audience, if you have affiliates, if you have anyone else in your network whose audience can benefit from your free information, again, don't feel like you're stepping on toes or anything like that because this is free value, free information, free entertainment that you're putting out into the world. Just ask others to share it. Hey, I'm really proud of this blog article and I think your audience could really uh, benefit from it. I'd be willing to share one of your blogs or one of your podcasts or one of your YouTube videos if you share mine. So don't be afraid to ask others, especially if you're offering them something in return. All right, my last tip about getting people to consume more of your content is to refresh and update your best stuff. Now, this is another super simple tip that is easier said than done. Back when I was working with Meg of Love at First Search, who I highly recommend, when I was asking her how I could rank better on Google when there were so many paid players bidding for my keywords, she asked me a simple question. She said, Michelle, let's have some tough love. When was the last time you updated or refreshed your blogs from one year ago, two years ago? How much of that information is outdated now? If I went in there, how many broken links would you be able to find there? And I was honestly floored and a little embarrassed because I forget sometimes that Google and even YouTube takes freshness and accuracy of content and broken links, all that stuff into heavy consideration when ranking. So because of that, I started doing two things. Number one, I updated old blogs with newer, fresher, more up-to-date information. So because of good old COVID-19, there are a lot of things that are happening in the indoor playground industry that weren't happening in 2018. And when somebody finds one of my blogs or YouTube videos or something like that, even if it's old, I want to make sure that I'm putting the most accurate and up-to-date information out there. Now with blogs, this is very, very easy. With YouTube videos, you can't exactly upload a new video and just retain the same number of views. That is not how YouTube works. But sometimes I'll just add like a little footnote or something like that in the description. Like, by the way, this was created in 2018. This is the updated like FYI footnote. But with blogs, there is really no excuse to not update your old content because again, it will appear fresher to Google and more accurate and it will improve your ranking and get more eyes on your content and it will help people find it. So that's number one. I'm updating my old stuff with new accurate information. And as I mentioned before, I'm continually adding new backlinks to my best performing content or related content. And then number two, I'm taking the same topics and keywords that I created, you know, years or months ago, and I'm creating new fresh content that's kind of a spin on what's already working. So a good example is funding an indoor playground. That is a topic that I tackled once in 2018, and then I just kind of left it. Like, oh, check that one off the list. I already created funding. But Meg kind of reminded me, like, there are so many different ways that you could break this down into pieces of, like, micro content or micro topics that can just help me continue to rank for that keyword. So not only do I have this one blog and YouTube video ranking, I can have 10. And this has really, really helped me because some people have different questions when it comes to funding. So some examples of content that, that I've created to kind of take this topic and put a new spin on it are how to um, save money on your build out. So how to save money on your startup costs. So that's related to funding, but it puts a new spin on it. 
And another piece of content I created is mistakes most owners make in the funding process. So it takes a lot of the same information, but puts a new spin on it. And it actually is a little bit more engaging and interesting for people to click on. Something else you can do is a little story time. So you can share your personal experience with funding or whatever topic you're teaching on. So those are some examples of how to take a, you know, been there, done that topic and make it fresh or new. Now for my Facebook ads business for Marketing Junkie, I created this video about business manager and how to set up a Facebook ad. And obviously that is a huge, huge topic. And I honestly didn't want to cover too much of it because I cover a lot of it in my course. But once I started putting out more free content around this and really breaking it down into micro pieces of information, I started seeing a lot more traction and a lot more growth. So For example, I created a video and a blog about choosing the right Facebook ad objective. So I'm taking one teeny tiny part of Facebook ads and I'm creating an entire piece of content around it. I created a piece of content around setting a budget for your Facebook ads, around targeting your Facebook ads, around analyzing results, and even taking that analyzing results a bit further, I'm breaking down different key performance indicators, so frequency, Um, quality score, relevance score, things like that. I'm really breaking it down into super micro pieces of information to continually rank for that same topic, Facebook ads. So again, just because you've covered a topic or targeted a keyword does not mean you should stop there. Keep refreshing it, put new spins on it, do one for every year. So for example, every year I do an indoor playground trends and that's one of my best performing videos and blogs every year. I have a 2019 trends, 2020 trends, 2021 trends, and this is something that I will absolutely do every year, not only with that, but also with Facebook ads, targeting strategies for 2021, things like that. So you can do like kind of an annual edition of certain pieces of content. Again, this will help you to continue to rank for that keyword and your results will again be more sustainable. Plus you can spend as I said before, less time creating brand new stuff and more time doing other things that will move the needle in your business. So wrapping it up, if you noticed a trend from this episode, it's probably that you are doing way too much when it comes to content creation. And the takeaway I want you to have from this episode is that you can actually simplify and scale down your process and yes, actually see even better results not only when it comes to people consuming your content, but also in the growth of your channels and the growth of your website traffic. So get off of that content creation hamster wheel, start being more intentional and start going through your archives and see what you can refresh, optimize, and repurpose. And all right, this is the last time I'm going to say this today, but if you enjoyed this episode, the best way to show your support, and again, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it, is to leave a five-star rating interview and share this episode with a friend or just simply post a screenshot to your Instagram story and tag me, Michelle Caruana. Thank you so much, and I will see all of you right back here next Tuesday. Have a great, simple, simple week.